Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. What we want to talk about this morning in light of, uh, you know, praying for Miriam and telling her goodbye because what we want to talk about are blessed are those who mourn and there is a sense of mourning and a sense of loss when you have friends that life changes and things adjust and people move away and we go through those seasons and as we think about that I'm sure that all of us can think of a time that we've mourned the loss of something or someone and uh, for sure this year if if you didn't know anything about what mourning or sense of loss meant, this year has certainly put it front and center for all of us. We've lost so much in terms of uh, just the loss of family, the loss of a normal routine of life. I was reading again this morning about, you know, we're a month into school and how everybody is still making adjustments but finally kind of settling in. And there's all that that we've had to face um, just watching all of you as you went back to go pray for Miriam I mean just the whole sense of the the loss of of giving each other a hug um, I've noticed lately and it hasn't been any of you by the way but I've noticed lately when I go to greet different people like I haven't seen for a while or meet someone for the first time people are just so longing for physical touch that I've done a few handshakes with people and I haven't initiated it but when someone initiates a handshake it's <laughs> it's like it's hard to resist isn't it I mean it's just hard and uh, you know and there's all sorts of different things that we get, have the idea that we've lost something and we go through a sense of mourning I'm sure there's no one in this room that's mourning the fact that the Yankees lost the playoffs this week but, you know, there's people out there somewhere that's worried about that. Uh, and, um, you know, John, Carlo, and Rosie, whether we like it or not, I'm afraid the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, and when that happens, we can mourn together over that. You know, some of us, some of us suffered loss because our pet turtle died. Something like that, that when we were a kid, seemed like a big deal. I remember... Uh, my sense of loss when I got sick the day of Little League tryouts and I didn't get chosen for a team, my brother did. And my dad tried to comfort me by saying, well, that's okay, you can be the scorekeeper. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dad. Um, you know, we, it can be the loss of an investment, but obviously significantly, and as we know even in our midst, the loss of a loved one all degrees and levels of a sense of loss that we all face. And there's a risk that we are facing today that I think that I, I feel like is important for us to remember that we always face a spirit of death, but especially, don't you think, in this day of COVID, it's front and center. I mean, what gets posted every day, even on some news sites, is the number of people that have died because of the COVID um, virus. 
And um, we need to be reminded that we don't flourish from mourning because we celebrate death. We, we flourish from mourning because we celebrate the comfort that God brings in the midst of the comfort in the life that he brings even in the midst of death and brokenness. I mean, there's nothing we can do with the fact that the scripture says it's appointed once to every man and woman to die. And so we all have to wrestle with that. And uh, I think about that sometimes. I remember, you know, when I was the age of some of the kids in our room, you know, when I was the age of VJ and Emily and John Carlo and Rosie and some of the others of you that same age and, and Stephanie, I kept thinking of all the years I had ahead of me. And now those years of, <laughs> you know, I've got, my dad's 88 years old and I realize I'm 22 years from my dad's age. And it wasn't too many months, days or months ago that it seemed like it was an eternity to get to that age. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, it's just that sense of realizing that life presses in on us. And so this morning, we want to continue our study of the Beatitudes. And if we could look at the first two, as a reminder last week, the first one was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then, blessed are those who mourn, is today's, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I want to remind you of the connection <clears throat> of these verses to the very first beatitude. You can't go to the other beatitudes without the first one. For two reasons. One is we have to recognize that we're empty-handed and without God we can't get anywhere. And the second thing is that as we recognize our emptiness and our poverty of spirit, the second thing we recognize is that's what brings about the kingdom of heaven. And so we need the kingdom of heaven in order to navigate and function through the other Beatitudes that we're going to talk about. So, But um, blessed are the poor in spirit, and our godly reaction to a poverty of spirit, it naturally leads to this next Beatitude, which is uh, a reaction of mourning. And... Spiritual mourning is actually kind of an art. And learning the art of spiritual mourning is crucial to our progress through the rest of these Beatitudes. And so as we look at this this morning, what we're talking about is forsaking the grief of sin. We're talking about more than something as insignificant as mourning the loss of your pet turtle and something as deeply significant as the loss of a loved one. We're talking about something that is of even deeper loss, which is a sense of what the power and the grief of sin does to our lives. We are all affected by sin, personally, and we certainly know we're all affected by sin all around us in a broken world. And so that's what Jesus is talking about, is we're mourning over the, uh, the sense of sin that we're experiencing, and we're, we're grieving over that, and then what we are realizing is we only have one place to turn. And the only place that we can turn to or return to in this circumstance is found in God. And that's when we turn to Him for comfort. I want to remind you that there's three words I gave you last week to talk about the Beatitudes. So anybody that was here, the, the first word was root. 
that we find ourselves rooted in being poor in spirit, and the second is we mourn, and the third beatitude, does anybody remember what the third one is? It's not up there, right? So no one can cheat. What's the third beatitude? Blessed are the what? Nope. Can't be a peacemaker yet. You have to go through poor in spirit, mourning, and then blessed are the meek. So those are the roots of the Beatitudes. And after the roots are embedded in us, as we're growing, then we start noticing some shoots begin to come out of what's been planted. And there's a pivot right in the middle of the Beatitudes in the fourth one. Do you know what the fourth one is? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So after, after the, we're rooted, then something begins to grow in us. This hunger and this thirsting for more of God begins to grow. And as that's beginning to occur, then the fruit of what's rooted in us and is growing in us begins to take place. Peacemaking. Pure in heart. Mercy giving. Those things come out of a poverty of spirit and learning to mourn for sin. So there's a few things that we need to understand about mourning. There's natural mourning, of course. Jesus experienced it when He wept over His friend Lazarus who had died. It's very natural for us to mourn at the loss of life. Then there's sinful mourning. Sinful mourning is not legal so to speak, because it's mourning over something, grieving over something that we're not supposed to have. Like if I said to you this morning, I'm really sad this morning because I wish I had more wives than Kathy. You obviously would all hopefully say, that's, that's sinful thinking. Alright? That's not appropriate to think that way. And that's certainly not appropriate to be grieving about something like that. But spiritual mourning is when we know we are truly poor in spirit and when we mourn over loss that's caused by sin. And this particular type of mourning, the Scripture has a phrase that describes it. The phrase is godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, if you'd look at that with me, it says, For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So we're talking about a type of grief. We're all, we're all going to experience one grief or the other. But one with repentance leads to life, and one is a type of grief that leads us to death. It's important to notice in this phrase or in this passage, Paul says it produces a repentance that leads to salvation or life without regret. And I don't think any of us likes to have regret. And so it's important for us to recognize, and I'm trying really hard this morning to make sure this is not like a heavy, heavy message, but the reality is what we're talking about is grieving over our sin and acknowledging the fact that we are rotten scoundrels that, that need a Savior and we need Him to walk into our lives and we need to repent from the things that represent anything that doesn't represent Him. And it's making sure that we acknowledge it so we don't stay stuck in the state of sin. That's what the re word repentance means, to turn and go the other way. It's like making sure we're not the little kid that says, sorry mom, 
and then continues to do the same thing. And the reality is, as believers, some of us are like little kids. We, we say, Lord, I'm sorry, and then we turn around and slip into the same patterns, right? Am I wrong? Am I the only person that does that? I only do it like once every five years. Now I just have to repent for another lie. Because reality is that's what we all do. And it's godly sorrow over all that's broken in our lives because of sin. And all that's broken in our world because of sin. It's godly sorrow for the facts, no matter how hard we try, we come up empty-handed and we need His redemption to help us see our way. Blessed are those who mourn. The, the, the language that's here that Jesus used, the word that's used for mourning is a word that designates deep, deep, deep pain. It's the strongest word in all of the Greek language that you could use for mourning. It's in the present tense, which means it's constant mourning. It's constantly going over what's going, happening in our life and realizing Man, if I don't get rid of that, I'm going to get callous and I'm going to get hardened and my heart is not going to be receptive to what God has in my life. C.H. Spurgeon said, if you can look on sin without sorrow, then you've never looked on Christ. So it's the kind of morning that we look at the cross and we realize, oh, He did all that He did for me. And it goes back to what I've told you about before. I still remember when I was eight years old, and I was being asked if I was, if I was sorry for all of my sins and with tears streaming down my face, I'm like, yes, I'm sorry for everything I've done. And it's that kind of deep mourning that comes. That's the deepness of this mourning that comes from nowhere, it seems. It's a holy mourning for our sin and the sins of others. I don't have this verse on, to have us look at, but it says in Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Is anybody mourning the sin that exists in our country today? It's all around us. It's not, it's not politics. It's not one side of the aisle or the other. It's mourning over the sickness of our culture. And it's not mourning with a hypocritical attitude that says, what's wrong with all those people? It's like, Lord, if that's in me, Please get it out of me so that I can minister your redemption to all that's wrong around me. Someone else said, while we carry the fire of sin about us, we must carry the water of tears to quench it. Isn't that a great quote? Carry the, the tears to quench the power of sin in our life. Look at this passage, James chapter 4. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Sounds good so far, right? I like that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wait, 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 wait. You're getting a little bit personal, God. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. All right, well, I'm, I'm not in that verse. I'm not double-minded. Well, of course you are. We all are. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. We are in a desperate place. In fact, sometimes we show too much hospitality to sin. I want you all to think about it this morning. I, again, I, we're going to get out of this heavy thing in just a moment, thankfully. 
Because there is another part to this beatitude, good, thank goodness. But we have to recognize, let's just take a moment and think of the things that we've let creep into our lives that never were there before, where we've welcomed sin more readily than we ever did before. And we need to reckon with that and mourn over the fact that that has creeped into our lives. When was the last time you looked at sin in the mirror or looked at our, ourselves in the mirror and came away broken because of what we saw? When was the last time we felt the gravity of our sin as a betrayal against the holy God? When's the last time you wept over the sin that's in your life? And James, in these words, he writes this way because he knows the gospel becomes glorious when the depth and the power of our sin is understood as grievous to God. When we have a clearer glimpse of our sin, we have a clearer glimpse of the cross. The horror of our sin magnifies the impact and the power of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We need to mourn for sin because sin is an act of hostility and enmity against God. We need to mourn for our sin because it represents the deepest level of ingratitude against God. We need to mourn for our sin because it literally cuts us off from God. That's what hell is going to be. It's going to be cut off from relationship with God. And there are things that hinder us from mourning. There's love for sin. There's despair that God's unable to forgive me because I've, I've sinned too much and it undervalues the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross. There's a hindering of the conviction of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit convicts us of something. We push it away and try to pretend like it's not there. It's presumption of His mercy. Oh, you know what? I can do this. God will let me off. I've got eternal security. I'm all set. Everything will be fine. It's procrastination. It's refusing to deal with things just because I'll take care of it tomorrow. Ultimately, here's the bottom line we all need to be reminded of about the issue of sin. Sin is about separating us from the most important relationship we all need. Our relationship with the Father. It's what gets, us, gets in the way of us having a relational connection with the person that loves us most and more than anybody else on the planet. I love the way the message paraphrase puts this beatitude. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced, or only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Sin is recognizing I've lost a relationship that's so important to me. And then in recognizing that, I realize He loves me too. And so that's the good news, thankfully, because everybody take a deep breath. It's hard to do that with that mask on. But recognize that now we get to pivot to the second part of the Beatitude. And the good news is this. As we acknowledge and mourn the depths of our sin, we're not left in the de despair of our sin. Let me say that again and see if that means something to you. As we acknowledge and mourn the depths of our sin, we are not left in the despair of our sin. Does that make anybody happy? Does that make anybody happy? Oh, yeah. 
we are not left in the despair of our sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Those who mourn over sin in their sinful condition are promised comfort. In our mourning, He becomes the destination. We have to go through the mourning, but the good news is we don't stay there. We get through the mourning. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him because He knew what was on the the other side of it. And what I love is the fact that this is in in, in a particular tense called passive voice, which means... Blessed are those who mourn. I'm actively mourning. And then I just get to sit back and receive His comfort. There's not anything I have to do to receive His comfort. All I have to do is receive it. Because He's offered it to us at the cross. And the promise is for for us to be comforted. For those who shall be comforted. Now, there's a couple of things that keep us from this comfort. Because none of us are supposed to stay in a state of mourning. We go through mourning. There's no question about it. But we're not supposed to stay there. And there's a couple ways that we can stay there. One is, if we continue to wallow in our sin, we will stay in a state of mourning. Everybody gets it. We're not supposed to stay there. The other thing, and I've got a personal example that I could give, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to uncover someone that's pretty important in my life. Uh, And it's not anybody that's here. But it happens if we refuse to receive the comfort that only God can bring that pulls us out of the pit of mourning. Where we continue to memorialize death. We memorialize what's happened. I know of someone who very close to them died and what they did was they created a memorial with the date of their death rather than the date of their life. Because it was a memorial to death. It was a memorial to continue to stay in a state of mourning because someone had died rather than rejoicing in the fact that there was comfort in knowing that even though that person died, that person now is in the fellowship of the Father. God doesn't want us to stay there. One of the things that I've been so grateful for in the midst of the deep, deep pain that Art and Gloria have gone through as they lost their daughter. And by the way, Just be praying for them because they're going to do a memorial service on November 21st here at the church with their family and all. But when they lost Rena, the other day I'm talking to Gloria and she said, you know, I was just complaining to the Lord and then I just moved into a place of thankfulness and said, Lord, thank you for the 53 years that you gave Rena to me. Because she's chosen not to continue to memorialize death but to celebrate life and to receive the comfort that comes through the, through the unfortunate unfortunate pouring out of mourning that they have had to live with. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1-4. through four. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Everybody, I've got a message for you. Everyone, as you mourn in sin, you receive the garment of praise instead of mourning. When you are in faint faint of spirit because of sin, you are raised up as oaks of righteousness, a planting of of the Lord that He may be glorified. I've got a message for art and gloria this morning. As you have gone through the mourning of the loss of your daughter, we bless you this morning with gladness instead of mourning. We bless you this morning with a garment of praise instead of sadness. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is about relational comfort. This is great. The word comfort is the word parakaleo. It's the same word that means paraclete or Holy Spirit is the comforter. I'm going to send you a paraclete, Jesus said, called the Holy Spirit. And the paraclete that he sends is the comforter. And so it's a relational comfort that comes even when it doesn't even make sense that I feel comfort. It's a comfort that reveals the relational nature of God. It, It literally means, para means beside, and, uh, or, or close beside, and kaleo means to call. So it means that any time we're mourning over our sin, we can call out to God and say, God, please come beside me with your comfort. And the good news is the promise of God's Word is He always will. As we come to Him with a spirit of repentance, He comes to us with a sense of comfort. It's comfort that comes from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It comes from God the Father. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 15. Um, The God who gives us endurance and encouragement, or paraclesis. The God who gives us endurance and comfort. This is a comfort that comes from God the Son. 1 John chapter 1 verses 2 reminds us that if we have one that uh, when we sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. The word defense is parakletos. He speaks to our comfort. He comes alongside because Jesus is the righteous one that stands up in our place and says, I took the sin for them. I took the punishment of the sin for them. Father, Son, then comes the Holy Spirit. Listen to all these things Jesus said. I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another helper, a comforter, that He may be with you forever. But the Helper or the Comfort of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. When the Helper comes, whom I send from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness of Me. And then finally He says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper, helper the Paraclete, the Comforter, will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. 
Can I encourage everybody this morning to be comforted by the fact that the Holy Spirit is sitting right there with you right now? And whatever state of mourning you may be experiencing from whatever it's being caused, whether it's from sin or from loss of life or from loss of anything, the Holy Spirit has been sent by God to bring us comfort. Besides that, there's comfort from the Word of God. In that same passage in Romans chapter 15, Paul says the Old Testament writings were written in the past to teach us so that through endurance and through encouragement, paraclesis of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That's why when you read certain Scriptures, they bring back a sense of hope and future and, and comfort and encouragement. They come, it comes from the faithful preaching of the Word of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, everyone who prophesies or preaches speaks to men and women for their strengthening and encouragement, for comfort. And finally, two more things. Finally, it comes from the comfort that we get in fellowship from other Christians. Paul says in Philemon, your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Comfort. Because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. That means that you and I are supposed to bring comfort to one another. This morning, our worship team, when we were together, the prayers that we shared with each other brought comfort to one another as we pray. That's why we're supposed to pray one for another. Because our prayers even bring comfort to each other. Therefore, I encourage, I parakaleo one another and build each other up. why I want to say again, Gloria, when you told me the other day, a couple weeks ago, you were walking and you just began to be grateful to the Lord. I want you to know that brought comfort to me. Even in the midst of your pain, you're bringing comfort to other people. That's the amazing thing about what Jesus is talking about. Is the joy of all of this is even in our deepest pain, as we receive His comfort, it flows through us, and if we let it, it flows out to others as well. And then finally, here's the last thing. This is comfort that comes from the certainty of Christ's return. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 Therefore, encourage, parakaleo, each other with these words. Jesus will return. I love the old prophets. And I love the different passages like Isaiah 35, verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Is there anybody this morning that feels like you need more comfort? Let me try that. It was not a rhetorical question. Is there anybody this morning that feels like you could use a little more comfort? Listen, I'm sick and tired of wearing masks. I'm tired of looking at the news and hearing that we might be facing another wave. I'm tired of hearing all the junk that's in the atmosphere politically. I'm tired of all those things, and I'm saying all those things can cause grief because a lot of them, some of them are rooted in sin. They should cause us to mourn and I'm mourning all of that, but I don't want to stay there. I want to find comfort. 
So if you want to find comfort, stand up. And I want to have you put your hands out in front of you and I want to end with two passages of Scripture before the worship team comes. The first one is Psalm 126, verse 2. With your hands out in front of you, be ready to receive this. Then our mouths were filled, our mouths were, were, were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And Lord, I just want to pray right now that You would fill each of our our mouths with laughter and that You would come upon our tongues with shouts of joy. And so what I want to encourage you to do at this moment is I want to encourage you as best you can with those masks on to shout out to shout out words of thanksgiving. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Jesus. I thank You for the cross. I thank You for bringing comfort to me. I want you to say it out loud. Shouts of joy doesn't mean you think it. I want you to be a little Pentecostal at the moment. So shout it out. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord. We thank You for all You've done in our life. We rejoice. We rejoice that You're always there for us. You've never let us down. Every time we worship You, Your presence comes and brings comfort to us. And we thank You for the comfort that You're bringing to our families and our lives, even in the midst of a difficult season. We thank You for the comfort that You bring to our church. Lord, we thank You for being there for us. And then as Your hands are continued to be extended, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, which is the end of the story, or actually how the story comes to a to the next journey of our life. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so, Lord, I just pray over everyone this morning, that we, as Jesus taught us to pray, that you would, Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we need, we need some of that Spirit of heaven right now where there's no more tears. We need the Spirit of heaven where there's no more sadness and no more mourning. And we need You to replace it with joy in our families and in our lives. And so Lord, give us a taste of heaven. Even though we're not there, we're not asking to die today and going to heaven, but we're asking, Lord, that You would just give us a glimpse, a fresh glimpse of what life is going to be like for all of us for eternity. And we thank You for that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to extend your hands out in front of you again. And as we get ready to go, I want to release these words over you. from Paul's words to the Romans in Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and comfort give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Amen.